الحمد لله الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له من يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله وصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا اما بعد فنعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وقال الله تعالى في القران الكريم يا ايها الذين امنوا اصبروا وصابروا ورابطوا واتقوا الله لعلكم تفلحون my beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say, Alhamdulillah. We praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. We seek His help. We seek His forgiveness. We believe in Him and we trust and rely upon Him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and many more and many more. And once again, as is the case every single week, I ask you the same question that I ask you every single week, and that is for you and I to take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves what is changing. What is changing within our hearts? What is changing within our relationships? What is changing in our society? So, of course, we have the ongoing situations throughout the globe. Nothing seems to change there, except the fact that many of our brothers and sisters in Deen and many of our brothers and sisters in humanity keep getting called back to Allah for their judgment, the inevitable judgment that each and every one of us has to face. But look more closely at your relationships. As was the case at the beginning of the school year, I suggested to each and every one of us to figure out ways to improve upon each of these aspects of our life, whether we talk about our prayers, whether we talk about our relationships, whether we talk about even things like smiling, or whether we talk about charity and such. And so ask yourself what has changed in the past five weeks. We've now finished a third of the semester, a sixth of the school year. Are you the same person, 100% that you were back then? And if something has improved, what has it improved and how has it improved? Have you taken control of yourself or has it just happened by way of evolution? Now, when we think about what is also happening in our community, uh, I don't know if the right word is fortunately or unfortunately, but as you know, I started an earthquake about a week ago. And it's something that I still wonder, was it the best choice, was it not the best choice? But it's an ongoing personal introspection. But what has it also exposed? We saw how people were conducting themselves in response to my actions, right? You and I saw that many people were behaving of a standard far beneath what is obliged to us in terms of our dean. I mean, the sheer number of people that have cursed me to hell is probably more than my entire life combined. Now, we are also taught that if you put curse on someone, if they are worthy of the curse, they will be cursed. But if they are not, the curse falls back on you. So also be careful about sending nasty prayers upon somebody. 
But what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? I'm asking you to ask yourself, what is the foundation of your deen? Naturally, it is Allah. Naturally, it is the Prophet, may peace be upon him. But as we see, when it gets challenged, some of us reveal whatever it is that is the foundation of our deen. And for some people, it is actually just stability. It is actually just status quo. And when the status quo gets shaken, then that person's heart gets shaken. But you and I want to be in a position that no matter what it is that happens outside of us, the inside of us remains serene. The inside of us remains focused on Allah. Now think about this in terms of the date that we are in the Islamic calendar. We just began a new new year in the Islamic calendar, but it is not our tradition to wish Happy New Year, as is the case in our general society here. And there's a few reasons for this, and one of the most commonly cited reasons is what we are commemorating when we come to this weekend. And there's two events, and the meaning of those events vary among Sunnis and Shias, but both of them have their own significance. One is Musa alayhi salam leading his people from Fir'aun. Now what is, the perp- what, is the point for y- what is the point for you and I to think about in this context? That in the case of Musa alayhi salam leading his community of 600,000 people <coughs> from slavery into liberation, as you and I know, they reached the point of the river, we all know the story, but think about what is going on in their minds when this is happening. When the one who has been brutalizing them for generations is not far behind, and here they are having reached a dead end, following the prophet, peace be upon Musa. And what is also happening? Now they are getting upset with Musa. What is happening? They are shouting at him. But he has his trust in Allah. He takes his staff, hits it to the ground, according to the instructions, and then the water splits into, according to our book, two mountains of water. So this is not just low tide. This is two mountains of water. And then, as you and I know, a path has been given through. And for you and I, this is also a lesson on any time you are facing any horrendous, horrendous difficulty. So many times we come and discuss in the office the difficulties we're facing in our lives, and we wonder, okay, is this ever going to end? When am I going to get out of this? But we are taught, and this is in Surah At-Talaq, Surah 66, that if you have tawakkul of Allah, if you rely upon Allah, He will give you a way out from places you weren't expecting. So on the one hand, it is a story of a prophet. On another hand, it is a fundamental lesson in life, that no matter how deep you are, in a very, very difficult situation, Allah Ta'ala will give you a way out. The question is not if, the question is when. Keep that point in mind, because a lot of times when our du'as, our prayers are not being answered when we want them to, that starts shaking our faith. But even the prophets, may peace be upon them, all used to ask, when is the help of Allah coming? It was not a question of if, The question was when. Meaning, as you are going through struggles in life, because every single one of us has gone through struggles and every single one of us will go through struggles more and more and more, always remember that Allah Ta'ala will give you a way out. Unless it is a sickness or something that will lead to your death. So keep this point in mind, keep this conviction in mind that no matter how bad things are, there is a light at the end. But what is the other event that we're commemorating? 
and again, different meanings for Sunnis, different meanings uh, for Shias, but historically both Sunnis and Shias across the world would commemorate this event. This is the martyrdom of Imam Hussein. This is the martyrdom of the grandson of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And what is the story here? After the period of the four Khalifas, and you may be aware that as we are in the Khulafa of Uthman, the third Khalifa, there is, there is unrest growing. There are a few populations that were trying to cause dissension in the Ummah. And the advisors of Uthman, starting with Ali, may Allah be pleased with both of them, are telling him there's these people who are conspiring to break the Ummah. They're conspiring to kill you. You have to stop them. And Uthman's response was, how can I prosecute someone who has not committed a crime? And to make a long story short, people laid siege on the house of Uthman and eventually broke in and eventually killed him. And then from there, there is this long period of tumult. The wife, uh, the two of the wives of the Prophet, may peace be upon him, Hafsa and Aisha, escape to, to Mecca and they start announcing that there's this sewage that has arrived in our community that we have to clean out. And that population eventually becomes the population that becomes the Khawarij. And who are the Khawarij? These are these people who are ultra-literalists. These are people who, for whom text is more important than humanity. But what else is taking place? Okay. Ali is put into power. And then he has conflicts with the forces of Muawiyah. And that's a whole long, long story that is beyond the bounds of this khutbah. But this leads to battles between Muslims. The first time that we actually see Muslims fighting each other, leading to tremendous bloodshed. And a lesson for you and I from this is think about how often we worry about the fact that there's so much division and dissension in our community. If the Sahaba can have conflicts, then you and I definitely will have conflicts. But what's fascinating about these conflicts and it's almost strangely fascinating, is that when it was time to pray, everybody prayed together. Think about this, my beloved brothers and sisters. When you are having a conflict with your Muslim brother or sister, are you able to pray to Allah? Because what, is, what are we saying? The foundation of your deen is Allah. The foundation of your deen is the Prophet, may peace be upon him. Ali is eventually killed by these same forces. They also attempt to kill Muawiyah, but they fail. And then the son of Ali, the grandson of the Prophet Hassan ibn Abi Talib, becomes the Khalifa for a very, very short period of time. And it's also very interesting that the Prophet, peace be upon him, is reported to have said that the first era of human history will be the era of the Prophets. The next era will be the era of kings. The next era will be the era of tyranny. And then the next era will be the era of, once again, people ruling according to the model of prophets. I'm sorry, I, I, lift, I left out the most important part for my purpose here. He said, after the period of the prophets, there will be a period of 40 years. No, there will be a period of 30 years in which people will be ruling according to the model of the prophets. Peace be upon them all. And if you add up the entire time of the four Khalifas, it's 29 and a half years. And then Hassan is the ruler for half a year. And Hassan and Muawiyah make a treaty, and Hassan abdicates in favor of Muawiyah. Muawiyah was the cousin of the, uh, Muawiyah was the, the, the nephew of the Prophet. He was from Banu Umayyah. He was the governor of Damascus, or the governor of the Syrians, and now he becomes the Khalifa. And then he goes through and he wipes out all of these people who were causing the civil war in the community. 
And then his son Yazid becomes the Khalifa. And there's different narrations in terms of how he becomes the Khalifa, but it's agreed upon across the board that he was inept as a ruler, to put it most politely, or more forceful language, that he was a crook. He was a tyrant, and even the word Fir'aun was used for him. And so there were people across the Muslim world who were looking to stop this tyranny that's taking place in their ummah. And in modern-day Kufa, modern-day Iraq, there were people who were sending letters to the grandson of the Prophet Hussein, saying, you need to lead us out of this. And for some time, he's resisting, and he's considering this, and so he starts getting advice from other Sahaba. Now think about this, at this point, many, most of the Sahaba have died off. And so he's speaking to those who are left, and he's getting, getting different opinions from each and every one of them. And so he sends someone to Kufa to find out, is, are these people in Kufa actually unified in their call? If they are, then he will go. And then his scout came back and he confirmed that they were unified. And so Hussein starts leading a small force to go to Kufa to lead them in rebellion against Yazid. And then what happens? The forces of Yazid find out about this. And then the people of Kufa find out that the forces of Yazid find out about this. And so the people of Kufa change their minds. They abandon Imam Hussein. And so at Karbala, which at that time was a small, small camp, a small garrison town, we have the very famous story of Hussein in camp with upwards of maybe about 70 people, including his sister. And the forces of Yazid come through and they start slaughtering everyone. Okay. Now, think about this. In our history, Omar was killed, Uthman was killed, Ali was killed, Hussein is killed. And some reports, some differing reports even say that Hassan was killed. But everyone agrees that Hussein was killed. So why is it that we find ourselves in our community for the past at least 1,300 of 1,400 years mourning over the death of Imam Hussein? Because this is a matter not of law, as much as it is a matter of love. We are taught by the Prophet, may peace be upon him, that grandchildren are like, are like droplets of paradise. Meaning when you're raising your own child, you, you have the joy when your child is born, and then your child becomes a teenager and you wish they'd jump off a cliff. But when you have grandchildren, they can do no wrong. When you have grandchildren, they literally feel for you, feel to you, like paradise. The Prophet, may peace be upon him, himself named Hassan, himself named Hussein, little Hassan. And so why is this event mourned all across the Muslim community? Because this was the murder of the grandson of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Even the Prophet, peace be upon him, told us in his lifetime that we are looking at a Shaheed. And there's narratives, differing narratives, in terms of how many people came. The higher numbers say there were 40,000 people in Yazid's forces. But let's go back and think about what is motivating him. He is having to make a very, very difficult decision. Every one of you will have those moments, probably not on that scale. 
but every one of you will have those moments when you have to make some very large decisions about right and wrong. And ignoring it or keeping yourself out is not an option because that will allow tyranny to continue. That will allow corruption to continue. And so all the options you have ahead of you are bad options. Because in his case, what is going to take place inevitably? It's going to be bloodshed. Or he could sit out and let the tyranny continue. But take this a step further. In his service to Allah, who is he serving? In the companion's service to Allah, who are they serving? In the family of the Prophet's service to Allah, who are they serving? When I am serving Allah, who am I serving? When you're serving Allah, who are you serving? Meaning in action, you have those obligations to Allah, like your prayers right here. Otherwise, you're serving the community. And think about what you think about when you think of the community. When you think of the community, do you think of them as aunties and uncles? Think of them as your peers. And then when you get to be my age, inshallah, think of them as your nieces and nephews and your children. Because that will affect the loyalty that you have to the community. Because if you find yourself thinking, okay, I hate the community, it's so disgusting, bad behavior, then you're revealing something about your own heart rather than what is in the community, because the community has everything. So what am I saying? That if you can bring yourself to see the community as your siblings, because we say brothers and sisters, if you can truly see the community as your siblings, then you will be driven at the very least by duty. And more than that, by love. If you're driven by duty- Friday, September 29th, then, 2017, 2 p.m. When you, if you're driven by duty, then you're going to do what Allah Ta'ala obliges you to do. But if you are driven by love, then you will have a fuel that will be unending. Think about this, my beloved brothers and sisters. So in the most simple sense, I'm asking you, how much love do you have for your fellow brothers and sisters in this room? Okay. Every single one of us in this room is complicated. Every single one of us in this room has done things that are not the best in terms of behavior, and perhaps in some cases to each other. And that's how family works. You still persist as family. In our Facebook age, unfriend, and then the person's gone and from your life. That's not reality. Okay. So think about the people who are in the rows with you. Do you see them as your beloveds? Because that is what we are obliged to see them to, at least out of duty, but better than that, out of love. But once again, what is the point? If you can look at your brothers and sisters out of love, then you will have an unending fuel through which to look at them. So now let us take a moment and ask for forgiveness. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet, may peace be upon him. So returning to these stories, the story of Musa alayhi salam and the story of Imam Hussein radiallahu an. The Prophet, may peace be upon him, was observing the Jews and found that they were fasting. And he asked them, why are you fasting? And they said that they are commemorating the day that Allah Ta'ala saved Musa alayhi salam and his people from the Pharaoh. 
And it is interesting because that day in the contemporary Jewish calendar happens near Easter. But it was the 10th day of the calendar, which is also for the Jewish calendar right now, Yom Kippur, Yom Al-Kafara. But the Prophet, may peace be upon him, said that we have, I have more right over Musa alayhi salam than they do, and then he advised us to fast two days. And so according to Chicago Hilal, uh, Ashura, the 10th of Muharram, is going to be on Sunday, and so it is recommended either to fast Saturday and Sunday if you're able, or Sunday and Monday if you're able. And again, if you look at it from the perspective of the reward, which is not wrong, the rewards are immense, immense forgiveness of sins. If you look at it out of love, then you are fulfilling what the Prophet, peace be upon him, is prescribing out of love for him. And then take it a step further, that the Prophet, may peace be upon him, has told us that Muharram is one of the special months. There's four sacred months of the Islamic calendar, Dhul Qadda, Dhul Hijj, Muharram, and Rajab. And in the case of Muharram, the Prophet, peace be upon him, is reported to have told us that for every day you fast in Muharram, it's equal to 30 fasts of any other month except for Ramadan. So if you are able, fast this weekend, and on top of that, fast throughout the month. And we are also encouraged to be especially generous during this month. These are suggestions, these are not obligations, but are, these are prescriptions from the Prophet, may peace be upon him. That's our Islamic practice. And then the other side, when we get into the context of love, keep in mind that it is not a contradiction and has not been a contradiction for almost the entirety of our history to be fasting, commemorating that day of celebration, and at the same time to be mourning. Uh, you all know me, my family is about as Sunni Hanafi as you can get, and Muharram in particular, and Ashura is a very, very serious time in my family. Uh, my father prays five in the masjid, my mother is super hardcore in the masjid. So think about this, my beloved brothers and sisters, not from the perspective of aqidah, but from the perspective of love for those whom the Prophet loved, starting with his family. Okay. And love for what the grandson of the Prophet, peace be upon him, was dedicating himself to, which was leading forces to fight tyranny for the sake of his fellow brothers and sisters. You can reach a point in your love for Allah, you can reach a point in your love for the community in which you erase from yourself any desire for dunya, which means, in other words, you're willing to even give up your life. Now, the last point I want you and I to think about is when we think of martyrdom, in our modern era, we keep hearing of things like 72 versions and, and suicide bombers and such like that. Martyrdom is actually not part of the history of our tradition. Being a shaheed, we are definitely told that if you die as a shaheed, that you'll have many, many gifts, including bypassing the Day of Judgment. But if you look at all the people throughout our history who were martyrs, we're not celebrating them for being killed. We're celebrating them for their iman. Again, look at Omar, look at Uthman, look at Ali, and in the case of Hussein, nobody's celebrating. This is mourning. Ask yourself, 
Anybody that you've heard of throughout our history, you might not be able to tell how they died because our focus is how they lived in dunya in service to Allah. Okay? It is the model in Christianity to focus on martyrdom, with the ultimate martyr in their tradition being Isa salam, and then this teaching that the church is formed on the blood of martyrs. So what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? What do we celebrate? We celebrate the Iman of people. Okay? We celebrate the Iman that we perceive in the people who've gone before us, and then you work to develop your Iman for yourself as well as for the future generations. And then, inshallah, we can see little by little improvements within our hearts, fixed on duty, fixed on love, with the goal of improving our iman. So with that, I remind you of what the Prophet, uh, what Allah Ta'ala says about the Prophet. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi, ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Oh Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon his family and upon his companions and extend the, be- the peace and blessings upon them all. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana. Waqina adhab nar Our Lord, our cherisher, our creator, our sustainer, grant us the best of this life and the best of the hereafter and protect us from the fire. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Aqeem as-salah.